0: Jesus was, and he still is, all about touching people, changing people, loving people, and inspiring people to live in his grace, a life of hope and purpose.
1: Welcome to On the Bright Side with Bobby Bollinger, entrepreneur, business owner, and spiritual life coach. Bobby and his brother Glenn own Alliance Sports Group. A collection of hardware and sports product lines, including Nebo tools and flashlights, sold in over 40,000 retail stores across America. Bobby would like your feedback. As a spiritual life coach, how can he help you? Questions, comments, prayers? Bobby reads every email and personally responds to most of them. Bobby at onthebrightside.org. Now, get ready for On
0: the Bright Side with Bobby. And when it's graduation time, we all hear, right along with the graduates, a few speeches. Every year about dreams and aspirations About hope, about bright futures And it's all good, and I love, I love all of that But what I want to tell all of you graduates this morning And anybody else who will listen Is about the greatest inspiration that drives our aspirations You see, for some reasons, it seems that most of us have a need to be inspired on a regular basis To be encouraged by someone who has overcome great difficulty to achieve victory. We're inspired, for instance, when we watch American Idol, where an unknown talent rises to fame and fortune in 16 weeks. For years, I found inspiration in rags to riches stories, like that of Sam Walton and Bill Gates, their rise from modest beginnings to incredible success. And you know, they're all inspiring. I don't think there's anything wrong with those people or their stories. But what I do think is wrong Is when we think that we need Inspiration from successful people And reality shows And I'll tell you why It's simple Because there's someone Much more inspiring Than them If you're a graduate today Then what I'm about to say Will save you a lot of time On your journey to find yourself There's only one True inspirer it's Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, the author, the finisher of our faith. How can I make such a statement? Well, first of all, even Webster's Dictionary agrees that inspiration can only come from the divine. And second, the Word of God is just filled with divine inspiration as we wander through it. Graduates, I'll tell you another piece of advice. Don't ever let the inspiring Word of God get more than two feet away from you. That's about the length Of your reach It's your most valuable asset Keep it close Let me tell you what I'm talking about Here's one of my favorite inspiring stories In the word of God One time Jesus was on a kind of miracle tour He was healing people Casting out demons And he was on his way to heal a dying girl And the crowds were getting big And wherever he went There were bigger crowds And there was this woman With a terrible disease Who saw him in the distance. Now she's in a terrible state. She's thin. She's weak. She's no match for the crowd that's pressing in all around the Lord. She has nothing. No money. No home. No health. Her dreams are long gone. She's unwelcome in her church. She's unwanted in her town. Yet on this day. She clings desperately To just one single idea If I can touch him I'll be healed So she crawls She pushes And when pushed away She tries again and again And finally She touches the robe Of Jesus And she felt life Rush into her body at once And she knew that she was healed Jesus he felt it too he said who touched me and the woman fell at his feet and Jesus called the woman his daughter he says, woman your faith has healed you you see Jesus was and he still is all about touching people changing people, loving people, and inspiring people to live in His grace, a life of hope and purpose. What I'm trying to say is you don't have to look anywhere else this morning to find inspiration that you need to change your life and develop your dreams and aspirations. Jesus is the only one who not only inspires us but can supernaturally touch your heart And hear your thoughts and prayers. It was an illness that took the woman's strength that longed to touch Jesus. What's taking your strength today? What's holding you back today? Whatever it is, Jesus wants to touch you. And when he does, I can promise you this. It's all the inspiration that you'll ever need.
1: God has made promises to you for everything that you could be going through today. Depression, fear, grief, heartbreak, worry, failure. It doesn't matter. Stay right there because he's promised to get you through it. On the Bright Side, we'll be right back. And now, back to On the Bright Side, as Bobby Bollinger shares his unique layman's perspective as viewed
0: through his lifelong journey of faith. I was going to ask you, has anybody had a bad day lately? (laughs) I thought so. Okay, well, well, here are the top ten ways to know you're having a bad day. Okay, you ready for this? Top ten ways to know when you're having a bad day. Number ten, when your twin sister forgets your birthday. (laughs) Number nine, you know you're having a bad day when it costs more to fill up your car than it did to buy it. (laughs) That's right. Number eight, you're having a bad day, you call your wife and tell her you'd like to eat out tonight, and when you get home, you find a sandwich on the front porch. Number seven, it's a bad day when the bird singing outside your window is a buzzard. (laughs) Number six, your doctor tells you you you're in excellent health for someone twice your age. It's a bad day. Number five, you're having a bad day when your children's school calls to surrender. (laughs) Number four. It's a bad day when you have to borrow from your Visa card to pay your MasterCard bill. <laughs> number three, you're having a bad day when you put both contact, l- contact lens in the same eye. <laughs> I've been there. <laughs> number two, you know you're having a bad day when you see a film crew from 60 Minutes waiting outside your office. <laughs> and the number one way to know that you're having a bad day... <clears throat> when your car horn sticks and you're on the freeway behind 32 Hells Angels on motorcycles. Yeah, that would be bad. (laughs) Okay, but let's face it. We all have a few of those days. And in fact, it's pretty normal to have a bad stretch where things aren't going well. And some of you could even be having Some of those times right now. But you know what? All of us as Christians, we have an amazing arsenal of weapons available to us to fight and overcome whatever comes our way. And we know that it's there, but so often we don't unleash the power that's right there for us to use. And what I'm talking about are the promises of God. You see, God always tells the truth. He always does exactly what He says. And He said He'd do a lot of things for us. And there are well over a thousand promises in His Word that we can rely on to help us deal with our struggles. And all His promises are true. But here's the key. What many people don't realize is you have to remind God of His promises. And you might think, that's a strange statement. Why would we have to remind God of anything? Well, we remind God of His promises because God wants us to. Not because He can't remember what He promised, but because God wants us to know what He promised. Most of the great characters in the Bible reminded God of the promises that He had made. David, Abraham, Moses, all of them, they cried out to God for Him to deliver on His promises. And you know what? He always did. So we have this huge advantage in life in the form of God's promises, but the word shows us that we have to go after him. That we have to get his attention. You know, you you, you know the scriptural phrase that we've heard our whole life. All the promises of God are yes and amen. I know you like that one, you use it often. Well, I never bothered to really grasp what that line meant. But when you read that whole passage, it gets clearer. Here's what it says. For no matter how many promises are made, they are yes in Christ. And so through Him, the Amen is spoken by us to the glory of God. And what I learned is, Amen is one of the few words that means the same in Hebrew as it does in English. It means to agree, or to to acknowledge that it's true. Like, so be it, or it is so. So what this means... To us is that through Christ, all His promises are true. So when we remind God of His promises, Christ responds and says, yes. And then we say, amen. We've got it. I claim your promise in Jesus' name. Now you may say, well, I pray and I read the Word. And sometimes I still don't feel like He's listening. Well, you know, the Word also shows us that there are times when God allows us to feel like He's not listening. But that's when God is testing you to see if you'll trust Him and His promises no matter how you feel. That's when He wants you to cry out, God, where are you? And that's when you can remind Him that He promised He would never leave nor forsake us. And that's when you can remind Him that He promised He would inhabit the praises of His people and that's when he wants to come through and that's when he has to come through because all his promises are true Dwight Moody once once said God never made a promise that was too good to be true our god is an interactive god he's made promises to you for everything that you could be going through today it could be depression it could be fear grief heartbreak worry failure, it doesn't matter. He's promised to get you through it. What an amazing gift His promises are for us to stand on, for us to hold on to, and for us to remind God of. All His promises are true. Say that with me. All His promises are true. Listen to this one that the Lord Himself made. He said, there are many rooms in my father's house and I'm going there to prepare a place for you. And if it wasn't so, I would tell you. And when everything is ready, I'll come. I'll come and I'll get you so that you can be where I am. What a promise. Aren't you glad they're all true? Because this one, it tells us that no matter what happens, everything's going to be all right in Jesus' name.
1: What are the windows of heaven? Up next, learn why God promised to open the windows of heaven over you to pour out his blessings. On the Bright Side, we'll be right back. We hope you're enjoying Bobby Bollinger's unique layman's perspective as viewed through his lifelong journey of faith on the
0: Bright Side. I want to talk about the power of tithing. And I want to start by sharing a familiar scripture with you that I've quoted you many times before. Here it is in the King James. You don't have to read it. I'll read it for you. Here we go. go. Bring ye all the tithes into the storehouse that there may be meat in my house and prove me now herewith saith the lord of hosts if i will not open you the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing that there shall not be room enough to receive it amen well like i said i've used this scripture many times in almost every translation and i have because it's a great encouragement for the act of tithing. But this week, uh, while on vacation with my family, we had a discussion that led us back to Malachi and this verse of Scripture. And for the first time, the phrase, windows of heaven, just jumped out at me. And I had to step back and I had to ponder on why God would use this way of saying how much he would bless us. If we would tithe in obedience, why would he say he would open the windows of heaven to pour us out a blessing? Well, by doing a little research, I discovered that the only other time, at least that I could find, that that exact way of describing something was way back in Genesis when the word says, In the 600th year of Noah's life, on that day, were all the fountains of the great deep broken up and the windows of heaven were opened and it rained for 40 days and 40 nights. So I'm thinking, wait a minute, the most significant supernatural God moment in thousands of years up to that time, the great flood that destroyed mankind, but for Noah and his family, that event was an open heaven's window and pour out enough rain to destroy the earth kind of event and now the only other time God talks about opening heaven's windows is to describe the kind of blessings he will pour out on you and me because of our obedience and tithing. You see in Noah's time God actually opened up the windows of heaven and poured down rain for 40 days and nights. And in Malachi, he tells us that he will open up the windows of heaven and pour out blessings on us. And when the great flood came, the earth couldn't handle it. And when we tithe, the Lord says there in Malachi, he will pour out so much blessing that we can't handle it. Have you ever wondered what it is about the promises of God that causes us to be selective in what we want to believe and actually receive into our life? I mean, almost all of us are going to grab hold of John 3:16. We throw all our faith at that word, as well we should. That whosoever believeth in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. John 3.16 is a promise that engages us. It induces us to action. Whosoever believeth, that's you. You have to believe to receive the gift of everlasting life. Well, Malachi 3.10 is the same way. God is trying to help us by giving us a promise to engage us, to extract the enormous benefit of being one of his children. And it's simply to exercise the discipline of tithing in our life. You know, many people are very cynical when it comes to scriptures like Malachi 3.10. They want to believe it, but it's just too easy to let it be about church or some ministry, using God's word to get money out of people. But it's really important To remember that God's ways are not our ways. And he's made it crystal clear many times in the word. That when we honor him first. With our money. And we prove that we love him more. Than our money. That we can communicate with him on a different level. And tithing. Is the method he chose. Where we can tangibly do something. To demonstrate our love and our trust in God. I'm so very convinced today that God wants to bless us and see us prosper and have every good thing in life. And I also know he wants to teach us and he wants to strengthen our faith in trials by fire. And I believe that if you are struggling in any area of your life today and you are not tithing consistently, that it's not necessarily a reason that you're struggling. But if you begin worshiping God by the discipline of tithing, I believe God's promise to open up the very windows of heaven and pour out his blessings on you will become the testimony of your life.